Hi everyone, welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. Today is a special day because I am having a conversation with a dear friend of mine, Marsha Stanford. Marsha and I met while working for the Pregnancy Resource Center of Cleveland County, a nonprofit ministry located in Shelby, North Carolina. The Pregnancy Resource Center is a pro-life ministry that assists women facing unplanned pregnancies through free resources such as pregnancy tests, limited first and second trimester ultrasounds, peer counseling, and even material assistance through our Earn While You Learn curriculum. This past Sunday, January 16th, was Sanctity of Human Life Sunday across America, a day set aside to remember the preciousness of life and to raise awareness for ministries such as the Center. They are a wonderful ministry that is on the front lines fighting the battle for life against Planned Parenthood and others. Marsha and I will be just sharing our hearts, how we became involved in this ministry, what we have learned, and the different experiences we have had. I hope that it is a blessing to you and that you will learn new things and walk away with a desire to take part in some way in this fight for life, whether it's by giving, praying, or even volunteering. I encourage you to listen with an open heart to my conversation with Marsha. Hi, Marsha. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm excited to talk to you today. So Marsha and I go back... um, several years. We both met at the Pregnancy Center. I have been with the center for going on 12 years. So um, Marsha came in and I'll let her tell her story later. But we um, we just really bonded. We had a really good time. We had a heart for the ministry. And so really, um, Marsha, I just loved her so much. She couldn't really get rid of me. I kind of infiltrated her whole life, her personal life. So now we kind of hang out on a regular basis and we talk all the time. And so, um, I don't think our boss anticipated such a closeness. So he made sure to keep our offices, you know, kind of separate and that we wouldn't, you know, cause he's like, if I have you guys together, you never get anything done. True. Very true. But we That's encourage true. each other. So <laughs> But it's always been, uh, I've just loved getting to know Marsha over the years. And um, we'll just probably, today really, we just wanted to talk about our hearts in the ministry and really just how we got involved and why we stayed, you know, because sometimes for people, they get involved with, uh, they volunteer for a ministry, but then they'll fade out over the years. But for Marsha and I, we, we see it more than just volunteering. We saw it as a calling and a true ministry that we just, our hearts are just tied together in this, in this passion. So we thought we would just, so, um, just have this conversation, just kind of pretend like you're joining us with coffee. That's really what we're just going to talk about. Just some things about what we love about the ministry. Some of the the hardest parts about the ministry kind of give you uh, a peek behind because we've both worked here for a long time and I'll let Marsha kind of kick started of how she became involved, uh, in the, in the, the ministry that we're in. All right. So, um, I was stay-at-home mom for 17 years. Um, I love children. I love moms. Um, I was involved when my kids were little, we were involved in mops. The mothers are preschoolers and, um, my husband was youth pastor. Um, so we were always, I've always been around moms and little ones and things like that. Um, so when my youngest went into fifth grade, um, I decided I was praying one day and um, asked the Lord where, 
I needed to be because I needed to do something because um, all the kids were in school and um, I just wanted to do something for other people. Um, and since my heart was babies and moms, what better place than a pregnancy center? Um, I knew a little bit about the pregnancy center, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, some of what I thought I knew was dead on and some of what I thought I knew was not. Um, so I started volunteering um, and I volunteered for about six months and I went through the client services training and counselor training and all that and absolutely loved it. Um, fell in love with Sarah, fell in love with Matt, all the other um, volunteers that I met, um, just loved everybody. And as I got into the ministry, fell in love with everything about the ministry. Um, after six months, the client services coordinator that was there um, ended up leaving. And so I um, was hired into her position and I have been there ever since. So I am going on six years at the beginning of February. Um, so the one thing that really after I got into the counseling aspect. Um, my bachelor's degree is in um, psychology, Christian counseling. And then um, I ended up going on to get my master's in counseling as well. So that has really helped um, with the ministry and knowing how to open up conversation and how to start those hard conversations um, with the moms that we have. Um, but I get to spend my days talking with moms and holding their babies and um, loving on them and helping them know that when they feel like they're in a hopeless situation, that there actually is hope and that hope comes from Jesus. And I love Marsha's story. It's so much better than mine because <laughs> you know, uh, for me, I got involved, I said almost 12 years ago, and it was because I just, I needed a job. I know that when I would go speak at events and people would ask, so how did you become involved in this ministry? And they're kind of expecting this very spiritual or compassionate answer. And I just said, I needed a paycheck. That was at the core of what I initially, I just needed a job and um, I happened to know the director uh, and he decided to hire me, give me a chance and trial run. And, you know, I tell people, yes, I began because I needed a paycheck, but it, it became so much more. It really became a, a ministry. I, I would not have stayed for a paycheck if you know, for 12 years. I love right. what I do. I love the difference I make. And I think, um, you know, I began as client services coordinator and kind of just transitioned into, you know, many aspects of the ministry. And I, like I said, just been there so long. So I've seen all the different things that go on to make it happen. And I think that was really a big moment for me. Like Marsha said, you know, she said some things were as I expected, some were not. You really go in with a, a particular mindset of a pregnancy center. Okay, this these people, they help ladies who are facing unplanned pregnancies. But there is just so much more. For us, often the image is black or white. You go in, you know, if you find out you, you are pregnant and you can't, you know, parent the child, then you would place it for an adoption. And that is what my mindset was. But then you go into these variables um, and you begin to, what they say, walk a mile in their shoes. And that really 
transfers things, you know, in your mind, think, well, you should just place it for adoption. That's not that simple. That is actually one of the hardest aspects of the ministry because women know they're going to get attached to that baby. It, even though the ones that you know, want to have, the, they're leaning toward an abortion, they're leaning that way because they know if they carry, it's not a fetus. They're going to be attached to this unborn child. And it's amazing to just see this mentality. And um, I remember going, because, you know, Marsha did the same training I did. We have a particular DVD training that we go through. And this lady presented a lot of different scenarios. And it was just so life-changing really to go through that. And she gave a great illustration about um, a Sprite bottle. I don't know if, do you remember that, Marsha? I do, yeah. I do. And she had a group of people that were sitting, you know, near the front and she had a closed, um, it was like a 20 ounce bottle mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she began to shake it. And you could tell the people in the front began, they were a little nervous. They're like, okay, she maybe is not over there. <laughs> you know, you're yes. concerned about it. And she shakes it and she shakes it. And as she, she shook it, she, she mentioned, um, this is the client. This is what they're going through. They feel jumbled up and, you know, they're struggling with their emotions. They're struggling, you know, with this decision and they're just, they have a lot of pressure on them and they're just feeling very, you know, discombobulated. Yep. And she said, you, if, if you were, and she just kind of slaps that bottle down in front of the person and asks them, do you want to open it? And they're like, no, 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 no. And she's like, that's what you can't do in the, in the counseling room. Right. You cannot just open that bottle because if you do, it's going to explode. Mm -hmm. But she so knowledgeably and just, you could just tell the experience gently opened the bottle bit by bit. You could hear it hissing you know, and she would close it back up when it would hiss and open it. And eventually as shook up as it was, she was able to open that bottle without any problems. And I remember that, that just, that's been 12 years since I've heard that. And it just stayed with me because it was so insightful that people are fragile and they should be handled with care. And the people that we have come to see us, we can't just go blazing in there and say, this is what you need to do. This is what you did wrong. We understand that these things will have to be dealt with. We do. It's not like we, we push it out and don't ever deal with it, but we deal with it gently, twist by twist, yep. little hiss by little hiss. We close it, we open it because we want them to know at the core, we care about them. We're not here to explode their life. We just want to talk to them, to let them know that they're loved. And I think that was the different thing of kind of going into the ministry that you really do get impacted. You, you okay. never, and I know Marsha's the exact same way. You don't go home and leave your work at work. No, no. You literally almost, you, you just can't help but take it with okay. you. You pray for these women that are, are on your heart and you, you sometimes cry over their situations and you ache and you, if you don't hear from them, you worry about them. Are they okay? Did something happen? Like this is, this is what goes on behind the scenes of these ministries that the people that work there, like Marsha and myself, a lot of us, we do sincerely care. Um, it is not a nine to five job. And right. for the, usually for the amount of money we're making, this is that we wouldn't, we would have left long ago if it was about money. It's not, it's about ministry. And I think that is and a calling. Yes. It's a calling. Exactly. It, it really, you cannot stay if it's not a calling. Right. You have to because have a have, heart for this. 
Yeah, and we have so many um, people that come in and they want to volunteer. And, you know, and that's great. And we need volunteers. We need good, strong men and women because we're not just ministering to the mom. You know, they a lot of times have that significant other um, that needs just as much ministry and time and to know that somebody cares as the moms do. Um, but I have found that when we have the volunteers come, um, they may have a history of abortion in their past, whether it's them, whether it's family members, something like that. And they want to help just because they know, you know, what we do is a good thing and that kind of thing. Um, but if it's a volunteer that has had a history um, of abortion in the past and that kind of thing, we ask that they go through post-abortion recovery so that they can get that healing that they need. Um, and a lot of times that's just too hard. And they know that we do a good thing, but they're not ready to face the hurt and the pain, shame, whatever it might be that they've been carrying. Um, so, and then we get volunteers that um, are gung-ho and they're ready. And then they go through the training and they're like, um, this is not what I thought that it would be. You know, um, we have a lot of volunteers that have that thought um, of, I just want to go in there and condemn them and tell them that they cannot have an abortion because they're killing a baby or whatever they, whatever their thought process is. And we can't have that either because the Lord gives us grace. And that's the, one of the big things that I have learned taken away um, from being in the ministry is just how great God's grace is to me and how dare I condemn somebody else for sinning when I do it every day and the Lord shows me grace and you know I have to extend that grace to other people because I'm no better than anybody else nobody is better than anybody else because we're all sinful we all fall short of the glory of God and I think a lot of times people, especially Christians, unfortunately, forget that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think they, that's you know, they can't, you know, and the Bible talks about, um, you know, you can't take the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a plank sticking out of yours. And, you know, that's, that to me is what this ministry is really all about is the grace because we all fall short nobody is perfect mm -hmm. and I think it's true that you know I know I was kind of like that too you know I was I was you know young when I joined but it, it's like you go and you're like I can fix this you kind of go in this, right. this mentality that if I give them this list if I give them these words if I give them these verses if I give them this plan it yep. it fixes it for them and it's it. it's not it's not. And I think sometimes we forget how much grace we've been given Absolutely. and that we are to extend it out. And I think um, really the, the greatest impact that we found sometimes is just listening. Mm -hmm. That's sometimes where you can get someone to open up and you bridge that relationship by just letting them talk, letting them share their heart. And because at the core, these girls know what's right and wrong. 
they do know that abortion is wrong in their heart of hearts. They do know that they just sometimes need someone to come along beside them. They've gotten a little lost. And I remember in my last year of summer camp, you know, we played a game where there was with blue masking tape on the floor and it was little squares and there was an invisible path through that. And the only way we could get through it was literally trial and error. You step on it, you'd look at the counselor and he would say yes or no, if that was the right way. You just kept going until you got mm. it wrong. And from the sidelines, you could actually, it was crazy. You could actually see it happen. You could actually mm. see the path come out. In, it's not there, but it was there. Mm-hmm. And um, the the glitch with the game was that you couldn't say anything. And of course, obviously for girls, that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you could only nod your head or shake it for yes or no. So we're all over there, you know, nodding like crazy people or you know, like little bobbleheads just going back and forth, up and down. You know, you never know what was going on. And it, you know, it was so as we're on the sideline, you know, we're waiting our turn to go. It, it looked very clear the path, but it, it happened to every single girl when they would take that step and take that first box, it was like the path just was gone. Mm -hmm. You could see it so well, but when you took that, you were just so pumped and ready and then it was gone. And it happened to every girl, including myself. We were just, you almost had that look of panic. Like, oh my goodness, how could I let this happen? How could I be so stupid? And why can't I see it anymore? And then we would look to, to the left, you know, and look to the girls that were on the sidelines and they would just, without any condemnation, without any look of exasperation or really, how could you forget this? They were just there to say yes or no. And they guided each of us through. And that was just, I remember that illustration fitting so well with this ministry because these girls, a lot of them do come from a Christian home or, you know, they knew right or wrong, but they got caught up in a moment and now, now they have a problem. Now the path they knew so well was, is gone. They don't need to be yelled at. They need that compassion to guide them correctly through that path to get them out the other side. It's such an important thing. And, you know, for Marsha, she said, you know, grace. And for myself, it was compassion. I think these two things pair together. And you see it mentioned a lot as far as mercy and truth in scripture, you see that truth is administered, but it's given with mercy. And I think that when you put that into perspective, that's kind of at the core of our ministry. We are administering the truth of the sanctity of life, but we are trying to do it with as much mercy as we can so that they will come, they will respond, they will receive. And I think for myself, that's what I saw a lot with the girls when I would counsel them is, is that would make the biggest impact is truth coupled with mercy. And a lot of them, we're the only listening ear that they have. Yes. You know, because depending on what their family situation is, and I have seen a lot um, of these uh, moms come in with family support. Most of them do not have that. And so we might be that only listening ear that they ever get because the boyfriend may not want it. The husband may not want it. I've seen that too. You know, parents, friends, you know, their work, whatever it is, all these things telling them, you know, now's not the right time to have a baby. You can do something about this. And we're the only positive listening ear that they have. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, in a world of no's, we're the only one in their corner saying yes. 
with mm -hmm. them, you know, but on that, what would you, what would you say has been your greatest experience in the ministry? Um, so as far as overall ministry or with counseling or like, what would you say is kind of like the greatest satisfaction that came from, from being in this ministry? What would you say is just that, that one thing you really loved? Um, so the one thing that I really, really, really love is getting to know the moms. Um, because everybody has a story. It's not necessarily about the baby or anything like that. It's tell me what you, your passions are. Tell me what you wanted to be when you were a little girl, what you wanted to be when you grew up and having them kind of go back to that young place and see what they loved. What did they play with? What did they, you know, did they play with dolls? Did they um, like to build stuff, you know, interior design, whatever it might be, because every person has a dream and a passion when they're little. It's God gave it to them. It's in them. It's, it makes them who they are. And a lot of times when they, when the moms get to this point with an unexpected pregnancy, they've kind of lost who they are and they've kind of lost um, that passion or they may not have known what that is. And so I enjoy just getting to sit down and talk to them and talk about their joys, their excitement, their hurts. You know, if, um, we have, um, let's say, a young lady that wanted to go to college and then pregnancy happened and she never finished. It's talking about, well, if you went back to college, what would that look like? You know, what would you want to do? Well, I love animals, so I've thought about being a vet tech. That's great. Let's see what are the steps that we can do to help you get to your dreams. And so it's just really getting to know them, their stories, and helping them look to the future so that they can make a better future for themselves and for their children. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's probably the one, that's probably the biggest thing that I love um, and that has meant the most is just being able to speak Jesus into their lives, but also more than that, form relationships um, so that they can see what a godly relationship looks like instead of just telling them, actually showing them and walking them through what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I agree. I know that's, it, it's amazing sometimes even with the clients for myself, when I would counsel them Often there were times I would walk away more encouraged mm -hmm. from what they poured into me. It's really not just one-sided, but, um, I think it's just a really interesting thing to, um, to just have those moments where you talk with them and you hear their story and you're just so impacted by how much they've gone through. And some of them have such still a good outlook. They have such uh, a positive vibe and you just, you walk away more encouraged than, um, then you thought you would, you're, you thought I'm going in here and I'm going to help you and I'm going to be positive. I'm going to encourage you. But, um, 
you walk away so fulfilled and so refreshed from that conversation. And I think that that is, um, for me, I enjoyed that. But for me, I also, because I, during my time there, I would switch to um, become more donor involved. I began to work with the donors. And that was really an, an interesting um, experience for me. I really enjoyed that part of the ministry. And I think part of it was because there are people who give to this ministry for a reason, you know, like yes. every, yes. every client has their own story, but sometimes the donors have their own story that they give and they're passionate about this ministry because of something that happened in their past. Either they had someone that suffered an abortion um, or they you know, couldn't make a difference in someone's life in that aspect. They were too late, but they could give now. They could support and assist people. And I think that for me was very eye-opening that people give for a reason. Absolutely. And I loved hearing sometimes those, uh, those donor experiences and why they, they chose to give us. We've got some donors that have been with us for, you know, as long as the ministry has been around and that's yeah. over 30 years yeah. and, you know, to stick with a ministry for that long and be as passionate as they are, there's a reason for that. And I loved uh, kind of delving into that um, aspect and just figuring mm -hmm. that out. So I know um, that made a difference in my life too, for sure. But as far as, you know, Marsha and I have both worked client services side. And so that meant we were usually involved with the volunteering. Um, for you, what would you say to someone who's considering coming into this, into this ministry and saying, hey, I'd like to get involved or I'd like to maybe volunteer? What would you say to them? Um. I think the biggest thing is come in with an open heart, an open mind, and no expectations. Mm -hmm. Because every client, um, every donor, every other volunteer, everybody is unique and is an individual. And everybody's going to have their own experiences and nobody is going to have the same experience as anybody else when you come in and volunteer. And if you come in with expectations of what you, you know, want to do or accomplish, those are not bad things. But once you get into it, um, if you come in what I have found for me, is if we, if I come into it with any kind of expectation, I'm leaving the Holy Spirit out mm. and I'm not, yes, you, there needs to be guidelines and all that kind of thing, but not so strict that you aren't letting the Holy Spirit work in your own personal life or in the life of a client. So mm -hmm. I think that would be my biggest my biggest thing is just come in, not, you know, I mean, expecting to learn, but not really having, you know, any expectations because if you're not connected with the Lord and you're not having your own daily quiet times and you're not in that good place, then it's going to be hard for you to counsel and to minister to somebody that's in a crisis situation. 
Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the only thing I would add is just like in somewhat kind of what you said, but to be flexible, to have that, you know, flexibility, you know, paired with that passion is a great combination because you're passionate about it. Therefore you're willing to do whatever, you know, and sometimes, you know, even as, as counselors, we weren't volunteers, we were staff, but we would watch how the Lord would completely alter our day. You know, we had, I mean, but you know, you know how it is. You have these things. Okay. I've got six clients and then four of them don't show up. And instead of four, you end up with six and you're like, wow. And then you're all of a sudden juggling your day and you're trying to figure out who needs what. And you just realize that person really needed me today. The one that canceled, you know, they didn't need me today. And the Lord knew. And so we, we have learned because we are, I, I laugh a little bit when people talk about small nonprofits and they're yeah, talking, right. yes, you know, these small nonprofits with this, you know, $500,000 budget. And I'm like, oh my goodness, oh, wow. we're, um, we're like maybe 150,000. So are we microscopic? I'm not really yeah, uh, sure how that works. Right, right. So we are really, people are surprised. We're really small. We only have a handful of staff, maybe three or four people. I mean, we're just really, really small. And we have volunteers that kind of come in. Um, but I think that's just, you know, when you're so small, you learn to just be flexible. And I think as a volunteer, sometimes you, you may have this idea of, I, I have these preconceived ideas of how best I can serve your ministry. Right. But God has a different story sometimes. And he says, you know, I think you're better suited here in Mm -hmm. this facet. I mean, even for myself, I began the ministry as client services coordinator and I enjoyed my job. But then I, at some point, I eventually transitioned into a different position, which was the events coordinator working more with the donors. And honestly, I, it was like, I was meant for it. I loved that position. And it was just, wow. And I let the Lord just kind of guide that and it kind of became something. And I was just, I loved that position. So I think as a volunteer, or if you want to work in this ministry, keep that flexibility, be prepared to just let the Lord guide you into the perfect role of what you need. Because you sometimes don't know what he has in store for you and what, you know, he's really built into you. And when you're in these positions, it brings out something that you may not even have realized was there. So I think that that is a good thing. And I do, you know, just definitely on a note, just either, even if you just stop by and say hello and introduce Mm -hmm. yourself, you have no idea how encouraging that is for us as staff members. You know, we really enjoy just um, hearing from people and just, you know, sometimes just praying or is there a specific need or there's just... I mean, there's just so many ways you can get involved and we'll probably mention that later, but this is a question that I have been asked numerous times when I went and and did public speaking. What would you say has been your greatest battle in the center as far as, you know, just coming from, you know, what would you say is your greatest battle or struggle? Um, I think my biggest is the spiritual warfare um, that comes with dealing with the public, dealing with um, the moms that come in that don't know the Lord. Um, you know, because we do on intake, um, you know, we ask, 
if they are believers, if they're not, if they go to church, if they don't go to church, you know, just kind of to get history and background and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, and a lot of our moms don't, um, but digging deeper, you find out that way back there was a church hurt or something like that, that has pulled them away. So it's not a relationship with the Lord. It was, you know, a church hurt and that kind of thing. But in that there's always that spiritual battle because the enemy does not like what we're doing um the enemy does not want these women to grace our doors um and so i think a lot of times that's the biggest um battle is that spiritual battle because you could have back to back to back um spiritual warfare and not have a break but you know you've got your co-workers that are continuously pray in and that kind of thing but that I think would be the biggest um challenge for me is just that spiritual battle that you know we have Mm -hmm. and that we face yeah and so mine is a little bit different um I actually initially started working there and I think and I've, I've seen it happen with other sometimes volunteers or even you know uh co-workers that we've had in the past um they kind of felt the same we would struggle and, you know, for myself, I would struggle with discouragement on Mm. the the part of financial, because you would think this is a big issue. The pro-life, you know, movement is a big deal. And for people to, you know, Christians talk about it a lot, you know, it's mentioned Mm -hmm. in churches, you know, the sanctity of life, it, it uh, is important. It matters, but yet the money's not there. Right. And you try to be very polite, but you almost want to say, don't you want to put your money where your mouth is? And again, you know, I know that's not very kind, but, (laughs) um, the, this is what struck me is I, I watch us, you know, again, I've been there almost 12 years and I would just watch sometimes how we would struggle to make a fundraiser happen and meet a, a goal. And again, we are, are by no means a large facility you know, we have, um, very small needs, but even that small amount of money that we needed, we would struggle to Mm -hmm. raise. And I would sit there and think, don't, don't you care about this ministry? But sometimes people would quabble about things that, you know, weren't as important or as necessary. And I would get, um, I think that was my biggest battle was just discouragement. Like, don't you want to support this? Why wouldn't you want to give $10 a month to this ministry? Right. Why wouldn't right. you want to um, support it? Um, so I think, I guess that's why, as I've been in it for a while, I always encourage people just stop by and let them know that you care. And we, we would have um, sweet little donors that would come by and they would just apologetically say, well, I can only give you $10. And I'm like, no, that is a wonderful gift. No matter if you give just a dollar, we, we love that you cared enough to actually give something, you know, Jesus praised the lady who gave the the might. It wasn't the guy who gave the thousands. And I think we forget about that, that if everybody did a little, you could do so much. And I think I, I did, um, some numbers one time based on the amount of churches we had in the area. Um, cause there are certain churches that, that designate a yearly budget for us. Mm-hmm, they give a mm-hmm. monthly amount. 
And I would just, I just kind of looked at that and I thought if every church gave a certain amount just out of their budget, we would never even have to do a fundraiser. And it was really a small amount per year. It just, it, I mean, it was so pathetically small and I'm not downplaying anything, you know, cause we have a lot of sweet people that give, but I'm just, I guess I would challenge people give to support something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got questions about it, obviously, you know, if you want to know exactly what the ministry Where is, your like, going. don't just, mm-hmm. don't just assume, come right. by talk to them because we've had people that came by and like, well, I I guess I, I had a wrong idea of what you did. Well, we're happy to answer that because at least one way or the other, you will know whether you want to support it or not. But I think at least take a moment to talk with them and get to know them and ask questions. And I no no donation is small. We, we love it when children come by and they have a baby bottle or they give their pennies. It's such a delight because we know that you know, they are learning about the value of life mm-hmm. and that they're learning very early in their life to, to support and to be, um, you know, verbal about their beliefs and mm-hmm. take a stand for what they believe. And that's such an important aspect of the ministry too. So I think that, you know, for me, that was my biggest thing uh, coming into it was just the discouragement. And so I think even between what Marsha and I both have said, at the core of what we need is prayer. We really Absolutely. just need people to pray for us because we, this kind of ministry is on the front lines. We are yes. a target. We have, you know, the feminist movement and Planned Parenthood and they're, you know, they're out to get us. They, they don't right. like what we're doing because we're dipping into their pocket. We are hurting right. their sales because ultimately we like people to understand that we're not just about stopping an abortion. We want to transform lives. Yes. We want these ladies to not just walk away choosing life, but to choosing, choose life for themselves, right. choosing right. that eternal life that they, that they become, they, they know God or they are reintroduced to God. Cause yes. sometimes, like you said, they've gotten lost and they've gotten yes. hurt and we want them to, to come back to the Lord because we know at the core of any good community is a strong family. Mm-hmm. And if we can connect them back to the Lord, to restore that broken relationship and to get them back into communication on a daily basis with the Lord, we know that their lives are forever changed. And I think that's what is going to make the biggest uh, impact in their life is if they have a change inside, because that, that will stay with them. That will, it's not just a quick um, set of, of diapers that we gave them. We've, we've planted the truth in mercy in their heart. And we just, we love to see that happen. And so kind of on, on that note, what would you say has been your, your favorite memory from working with clients? Oh, goodness. There's so many. Um, I guess watching clients that are making wrong decisions, um, not living the way that they should be. Um, you know, I've had many clients that, um, are living with the boyfriend, um, fiance, whatever, and then they make that recommitment or they give their lives to the Lord for the first time. And then they make those hard decisions to move out and to separate until, you know, them or their boyfriend or whatever, um, decide to get married 
or, you know, but they start making those choices themselves to better themselves because they want what the Lord wants for them. So I think that's probably the, you know, the best thing is watching the clients flourish and grow in their personal walk, but then in their walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's probably my biggest. Yeah. Um, now I, I actually have a specific one in mind because it was just so, I remember it was just such an amazing, uh, feeling just to see all the little pieces that God had done in her story. Um, even prior to her just getting to me, it really mm -hmm. all that happened before I even saw her, but I remember watching her, she came in and you could tell she was just very, she was very tense. And there was just, you could tell like an anger almost in her and she was expecting it was, you know, positive tests and all that. And I remember kind of just asking her, you know, how did, how did, you know, cause she had kind of said, I wanted an abortion. I was like, oh, well, well what happened to, to change your mind? And she, she said, it was just, it was just such a interesting how God works. So she told me, I told my boyfriend, you know, the father of the baby that I, you know, was going to have uh, an abortion and they, they got into a fight. Um, not about the abortion. I guess he didn't really care one way or the other, but he got super mad at her and he knew, I mean, angry enough that he wanted to get back at her. And he knew the only way that he could really get back at her was to tell her family that she was expecting because he knew they would not allow her to have an abortion, which is what she wanted. And so in his anger, he tells the family and she was so mad at him because of what he'd done to her. She's now, she's now I couldn't have my abortion. My family won't let me have one. I'm, I'm having this baby. And you could tell she, at this point, did not love her baby. She just, I have to have it because they won't let me have my abortion. And so we, I remember it was several months that she was with us. And so, uh, you know, obviously she progressed in, in her pregnancy and then something just so sweet happened. The it switched. You could tell all of a sudden she was getting excited to have the baby and she was, you know, it was, it, we had found out it was a girl and, you know, because she, at, you know, at the, at the beginning of her pregnancy, she viewed this, this child as a problem. This is interfering with my life. She had her life planned out. She was a, a great planner. I mean, she knew I'm graduating from high school. I'm going to go do this. And, I, and in two years, I'm going to become this. I mean, she had a plan and that baby put a kink in it and she wanted it gone. But God had other plans. And so um, she would carry it. Uh, I mean, it, and she was just the cutest little thing. And I remember talking to her kind of later about it. And, and I was like, so what do you think? And she says, I'm so glad that I didn't abort her. And I remember um, seeing her later. She came up to me in Walmart um, about a couple of years later. And sh she says, oh, I want to show you. We just got her pictures back. She was now two. And I got to see that. I was allowed into that behind the scenes behind that curtain to see that story you know and this is just one of many that happen across our country in this in the centers like ours these are the kind of stories that take place is that lives are changed babies are saved and sometimes they're saved in the in the way you would never have thought who would have thought oh i'm gonna get back at you i'm gonna tell your parents so you can't abort that baby i mean it was just 
such a thing. And, and God used that to change her life, to right. slow her down. And to, you know, she, she really, you could just tell she adored her little girl. She just delighted in her little girl. And to just think if, if her boyfriend wouldn't have been like that, she would have missed a big part of her heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, for me, that's why we're in this ministry. Yeah. We're there to make that little difference. As you were talking about that, two stories came up. Um, we had one mom come in and we were, um, she was very cautious and didn't want anybody to know. Um, and so she went in and she was very, very, very unsure about what she wanted to do. So she had the, the positive pregnancy test um, and she had an ultrasound um, because, you know, she just already had grown children. She just didn't want anymore. You know, she, she had had hers. She had raised hers. She didn't want it anymore. And she went in for the ultrasound and she was still dead set. I can't, I cannot do this. When they, when she went in for the ultrasound, found out she was having twins. Mm -hmm. And that I think for this particular mom was a game changer um, for her. And she was like, oh, well, I can't do that. So of course she, you know, followed through and um, we have churches. I don't know if a lot of people um, are familiar with this or know this, but we have churches that will give blessing showers to um, our moms, you know, whether they're teenage moms, you know, abortion-minded moms, moms that are just really, really struggling that don't have help. Um, So we had a church that gave her um, a shower and she was just completely blown away by the church's generosity and just all the outpouring of love that she received because, you know, the Lord chose to give her a blessing of two instead of one. Um, And I have seen many moms come in and they're excited with their unexpected blessing because they were told early on that they would never be able to have children or them and their partner or, you know, whatever the case may be. And um, so, you know, God is in the business of miracles always has been, always will be. And I think that a lot of times we lose that. Um, And we think, oh, well, you know, the Lord, you know, yeah, that's a coincidence. It's not a miracle. No, God is in the business of miracles and he is the master miracle worker and babies are a miracle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's one, one of the reasons that really I stayed so long in the ministry was just, I loved seeing the little stories that would happen Mm -hmm. and just seeing these lives impacted and changed. And I think we, we can never underestimate the power of small, right? That little things matter, little things make a difference. Um, So I would just, you know, definitely encourage anyone speaking to those who might want to be involved. um, This, uh, you know, the 16th, was the um sanctity of human life sunday um because this this podcast airs afterward but um i would definitely want to encourage people talk to your local 
center, the, the mm -hmm. show notes will have a link where you can find one that's by you because you'd be surprised there, there probably is one nearby. And mm -hmm. I promise they're going to need something. They're going to need maybe just someone to pray with them, uh, mm -hmm. someone to encourage them. Sometimes what you can do is spread this ministry into your church. We need people who are passionate about this ministry to go to churches and to be our, what we call a liaison to say, Hey, they're doing an event. Let's go. They're having a fundraiser. Can we help? I mean, sometimes we have a group of people, um, when we would do our walk for life, we have a group of college students that come and help clear the trail and prepare the ground that, you know, you might not think of that, but that's a really big deal for us because we're trying to work and we don't always have time to just go outside and do yard work. Not because we're lazy, but because we're trying to, again, work with these women and, and see them and meet their needs and we can't always get pulled away. And so to have somebody show up and say, I'll cut your grass every week or I'll mm -hmm. take care of that, that is huge for people like us. And so there are multiple ways that you can get involved, but at the core, you can always pray for them. Get on their yes. mailing list and receive a newsletter or an email and um, just pray for them. Make it a point to pray because this is a life or death. It really yeah. is. This is a battle for right and wrong. And um, Satan wants to nix life at the beginning because he knows if he can weaken it there, everything else will crumble. That is mm -hmm. why our ministry fights so hard for the right to life when you're born, because we know it matters down the line. If you lose respect for life at any point, it's only a matter of time before respect for life in general is lost completely. Right. And it's so important. And we've, that was something that I learned over the years I've been there, that it re, this really is a, a big battle that needs to be fought. And we need everybody that we can, just like I said, with prayer, volunteering, any, any way, donations, just, you know, sometimes material donations. We've got people mm -hmm. that are willing to say, Hey, if someone needs a, a, a bassinet or a crib, I can, mm -hmm. I can pay for that. So there's just so many ways to get involved. And I think honestly, if you get involved down like in the volunteering and really learn about the ministry you probably will never leave mm -hmm. marcia and i are testimonies to that you know yes. i've been there almost 12 marcia's been there six neither of us have any intention of leaving anytime soon and even though like for myself i did move on to a different job i still work I have. there you know and, and you yes. know you, you just you don't you if you if you even if you go to a different job you're still going to be connected in some ways Yep. You always will be. And I'm, I'm sure Marsha would, would agree with that. Yep. Yep. And I don't work as closely with the clients, um, anymore. I, um, am office manager now. And so I kind of oversee, um, all of the office and, you know, still volunteers and staff and all that kind of thing. But even in my new role, I'm not able to minister to the clients, but I'm ministering to my staff. And on their hard days, when they have hard clients, um, you know, we are able to pray together at the beginning of the day. Um, you know, we take 30 minutes for prayer um, every morning. We pray for our clients. We pray for our counselors. Um, that they're going to be seeing and that kind of thing. But when they have those hard times and those hard clients, and when they have those joyous occasions, we can pray, we can praise, but I can minister to their hearts. 
so that they don't get downcast and they don't want to give up and they don't want to quit because there are days in this ministry that you do want to throw in the towel. Um, I have had many of them um, this past year because we are going through policies and procedures and making sure that um, all of our stuff is straight on and you know we're doing exactly what we say that we're doing and going through all those and changing them as we need to um and it takes a lot of work and a lot of prayer and there are days that you just want to throw in the towel but we don't because we love each other we pray for each other we know each other's strengths weaknesses and so I think in my job now, that's what I look forward to and what I love doing is just really encouraging um, the staff and that they are there for a reason. God has called them there and helped them to re-ignite um, that passion on those days that maybe it's waning. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that, Marsha. And I love working with Marsha. And so I encourage anyone, you know, um, just pick up the phone and give them a call. Stop by. Encourage these people um, because they are doing a hard job. And again, you know, I just want to put that out there. It's not a nine to five. You any kind of counseling job, you talk to any counselor, you take it home. You can't just unplug it and put it on the shelf and say, I'll pick that up when I come back tomorrow morning. You, especially if you care genuinely about these people, you, you, you worry about them, you pray over them on a continual basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate uh, Marsha coming on here. I hope that it was a blessing to, to the listeners. I pray that it is a challenge for them to get involved. You know, uh, we need to take a stand for what is right. And we know that God loves life. He is the author of life. And so we should be supporting that in any way we can through prayer, through donations, through our time, however. So um, I just hope that you guys enjoyed um, our little session of you know coffee with friends, really just two, two um, pro-life people just talking about their, their experiences and their ministry. And uh, I pray that it would be an encouragement to you to check it out and maybe see where the Lord would have you be a part of this ministry. Cause you can, there's so many facets to it. Um, and, you know, even for, even for, uh, for men, you know, there are actually ways for yep. them to be involved as well. And we love pastors coming in and having devotion time with us and, and yep. prayer. That's yep. always just such an encouragement to our hearts, but, um, I could talk all day with Marsha because, and I do usually. So a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we have our, our moments off, off camera, obviously. Um, but I, I just want to um, say thank you for coming on here and just You're sharing welcome. your heart. And it was uh, a pleasure to have you, Marsha. Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. What did you think? Did you learn something new about the pregnancy resource centers? I hope our conversation was a blessing to you and that you will take a moment to locate your local center. Believe me, they need your prayers, words of encouragement and support. This is not an easy ministry as you heard us mention. When you work there, you take it home. It is not possible to leave it at work. Your heart is often heavy and burdened for the clients you meet and a kind word from a donor can lift the spirits more than you will ever know. If you're interested in locating your local center, 
follow the link in the show notes. This is also a great resource for churches as well as a great opportunity for them to get involved in the pro-life work on a ground level. As someone who has spent nearly 12 years in this ministry, I can promise you will not only be a blessing, but you will receive a blessing when you visit. And keep praying. We have seen a lot of things happen over the last few years, and we know it is a direct result of the people of God praying. Thank you for listening today, and if this was a blessing, please consider sharing it with a friend. The message of the preciousness of life is important and needs to be shared with others. Together, we can make a difference.